0: Compliance, The Final Frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of Trekking Through Compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a special encore series of... Trekking Through Compliance. This series will focus on the 2020 television show Picard. In this series, I'm joined by Megan Doherty. Megan is co-founder and partner at One Stone Creative, a podcast production firm. Megan is a Star Trek aficionado, although a Voyager Star Trek aficionado. And as all you listeners know, I'm an original series aficionado. Nevertheless, we both love Jean-Luc Picard, and we are going to explore the lessons learned and the shows and our love for Star Trek in the context of Picard. So sit back and enjoy this special presentation from Trekking Through Compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, along with Megan Doherty, back for another episode of Trekking Through Compliance, our series focusing on Picard. Today, we're going to take up episode three The End is the Beginning. In the episode, a flashback reveals how, in the aftermath of the synth attack on Mars, Picard demanded that Starfleet either agree to his evacuation plan or accept his resignation. Don't make promises you don't want. And of course, they chose the latter with executive officer. Officer Raffi, who suspected Romulan involvement in the attack, also being fired. In the present, Picard uh, asks her for help, and she throws him out um, of uh, her chateau. (laughs) Um, But she recommends a great pilot for the mission, one guy named Chris Rios, who you will love. Meanwhile, aboard, aboard the board cube, you get to see and hear Hugh, who you will remember from The Next Generation, being the former Borg drone, he takes Soji to see a group of for, former drones who were Romulans. One of the reclaimed Romulans declares Soji to be the destroyer and then tries to kill herself. Uh, Soji uses her enhanced power and speed to stop her. Narek's sister shows up again and warns him not to get emotionally attached to Soji. Picard, Laris, and Zaban are then attacked by. Zat Vash operatives in Picard Chateau, and I'm sure we'll go over this in just a fabulously choreographed fight scene. They kill all but one who calls Soji the destroyer under interrogation and then commits suicide, and in a way I'm not sure, um, but it appears he dissolved in a pool of acid. Dr. Girati, who you remember from the Daystrom Institute, was approached by Commodore O, who demands to know what was said during Giraudy's meeting with Picard, she decides to join Picard on his journey, joining him at the end of the fight at his chateau. They all board Rio ship La Serena and find Rafi there, who directs them to Free Cloud, where they believe Bruce Maddox, the creator of the Synths, is located. So, Megan, what uh, I guess were your initial impressions of this episode?
0: Uh, my first one was JL. How cute is JL for Picard? <laughs> I love that a lot. Um, I this was, this was interesting. It's still this whole episode really, and the, like the previous two, it still really feels like okay, we're getting set up, we're getting set up, we're getting ready. It, it's been a lot of build, so I'm expecting next episode to be a lot more action. But it, it feels like it's still building. But They've got all the pieces in place now, um, and they've been doing a lot of character development, which is really great. Um, so kind of seeing all of the, I guess this is really the, all the on earth stuff, um, that we're going to be seeing is kind of happening now. Um, yeah, so overall I thought it was a lot more kind of foreshadowing and and base building. Um, still very exciting. And then at the end of course, um, was engage, which was a wonderful moment I think for everyone when that
1: happened. Everything old is new again.
0: What about yourself? What, what were your first impressions or your takeaways from it?
1: Uh, Well, I have to go to the fight scene because as great Mm. as we thought the first fight scene was in the first episode, this one was just, I thought, outstanding. Uh, We once again had the um, senior action hero of Picard, (laughs) uh, but we also had his uh, Romulan um, companions. I'm not sure servants is the right word. Um,
0: In, In my head, I've been calling them Romulan house elves which I know is <laughs> I'm sure not correct, but that is the term that comes to mind. It must be the ears. <laughs>
1: yes, I think you're right. Um, nevertheless, the fight scene was just outstanding, and mm-hmm. they showed themselves to be uh, – it made me wonder um, if they were Tal Shiar at some point. Uh, because
0: That's a really good point. Yeah,
1: they he uh, turned on some combat techniques – that uh, as, you know, you and I probably did not learn in our podcasting careers.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, all the other ones, definitely yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, I thought the fight scene was just great. I was a little confused um, by Jurati showing up at the end and her killing uh, the last Romulan who is as he was about to shoot Picard. I didn't really. Um, I didn't. I wasn't sure that was a fair plot point just to have her plop down at the last minute without any foreshadowing that she was going to join Picard. And then, but of course, being the logical person I sometimes am, where does she get the gun? Um, Cause she just shows up. I mean, and even if she got there to, to go with Picard, where does she get the blaster to kill? Or I guess it was a phaser since it's uh, Starfleet. Where did she get the phaser to kill the Romulan? And how did she know to set it on kill, not stun, uh, all of those things, because she doesn't strike me as having received any military training at the Daystrom Institute.
0: By the way, something that didn't occur... I watched this episode twice. Something that didn't occur to me the first time, um, because you know she had been visited by Commander O, um, she might be a plant. Commander O, we we don't necessarily... She says she's there of her own volition and wants to, like, fulfill her dream, but we don't know how that conversation went. She could have been sent there by someone who is in the know on what was going on, maybe provided the gun uh, or the phaser... And kind of sent to integrate herself into the mission to be a spy. I hope that's not true because I really like her character. Well, but
1: so would she be sent by O or, or yet another group we're not aware of?
0: If she was sent by anyone, I'd say it was probably O. Um, but th- there, it could be another group. In my heart, I hope that she's just there, like for the adventure and for the dream. Um, but who knows? Um, maybe this was like her ticket to get back into le- legitimate research. Maybe that was the trade off. You know, you spy on Picard, send us the details, bring us to the big bad, and we'll we'll give you your research back.
1: Uh, you know, I didn't think she lost her research. I thought the entire death of the sense or the synthet- synthetic humans was what ended her research. That uh, basically her field went away. So um, yeah, but if anyone could give it back, Star- Starfleet. Well, it, maybe. 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 Um, Maybe. What did you think about, I was wanted to ask you about the scenes between Picard and Rafi at her home at Vasquez, Vasquez Rocks. Did that uh, seem real to you?
0: It, it did. It, it seemed real like in that, that there was a lot of emotion, and I would not have guessed if you had asked me that, that Picard would be such a jerk and not reach out to someone he was apparently really close to for 14 years. At all, that that seemed a little weird to me. Uh, in that, like, why why wouldn't he was and that that wasn't explored at all. So you just kind of made the statement. It's like you didn't reach out to me. I was not good. This has been terrible. And he's just like, oh, well, that's true. I guess I'll just treat you as if nothing has happened in the intervening years going forward. Um, so that was strange.
1: That's interesting because I really focus on Rafi, mm-hmm. and um, she was clearly wallowing in self pity. Um, not that I haven't wallowed in self-pity, but I never wallowed in self-pity. Everyone needs a good wallow from time to time. But not for 14 years. And she's mm-hmm. clearly an officer with talent. She's clearly an officer of ability. And um, frankly, and not to have a cross-cultural reference, why didn't she sign on to the Millennium Falcon as a first officer? You know, <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of, of positions out there for uh, former first officers who were pretty good at, um, piloting, uh, any kind of spacecraft yet. She chose for 14 years to live at Vasquez rocks and, uh, drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, I guess that surprised me clearly with the rank she held and the talent she had as a pilot. Um, so I really focused on that. Your point though is absolutely correct. It, it is completely inconsistent with the Jean-Luc Picard that we both know, uh, to have left someone, um, for any reason for that length of time. Yeah. Although and perhaps to foreshadow, we find out that he's done that
0: again. Well, and that's kind of another thing we don't really know about that. Cause I was surprised in that flashback towards the beginning. Um, and I know the Starfleet we're experiencing now is not the Starfleet, you know, of, of previous series but like firing the pilot because the Admiral gave his resignation seems weirdly punitive In in a way that just seemed way out of step. Like, why why would she be fired because Picard made a stand?
1: And yeah, and. That indicated to me that they had a kind of closeness that was really beyond uh, Admiral uh, Captain or uh, Captain Pilot or Captain Crew Mm -hmm. member that, you know, we talked last week about the mentor mentee relationship. Um, Perhaps she took a stand along with uh, Picard about uh, helping the Romulans. But I just wondered um, uh, why she just left herself there in the desert to to do nothing um, when she obviously she might
0: have been she might have been blacklisted because she she mentioned she lost her security clearance maybe maybe the ramifications went further than that from Starfleet.
1: Oh well, perhaps she can't get off because
0: of the Romulan undercover cabal.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. And uh, but it's great to see someone seeing conspiracies, whether they exist or not. <laughs>
0: Okay, speaking of weird closeness, the Romulan siblings, <laughs> did their relationship seem a little weird to you? Oh,
1: yes, that was... <laughs>
0: that, that was very, odd and slightly uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> very weird, very weird. They are very close, very close, uh, very close.
0: Yeah, because I signed up for Star Trek, not another round of Game of Thrones. This was...
1: <laughs> uh, yes. But let's go to the um, scene where Soji goes to meet the former Romulan Borg uh, captives. I was really intrigued by that scene. Um, What the (laughs) woman who identifies her as the destroyer saw, I was with them up to that point. What I couldn't quite figure out was why did she want to kill herself? After having identified Soji as the destroyer, any thoughts?
0: My first thought with that was, um, you know, if you, if you kind of meet the harbinger of the apocalypse, get out early, get out clean. You know, if, if this is like the sign, like, no, I'm serious. Like, if, if it's going to go really south, if it's going totally pear-shaped, it's going to be awful. Uh, and, you know, you have met the destroyer, you know it's definitely going to happen. Okay, get out before it gets really bad. I, I think that's, that is a rational choice. Uh, for someone who genuinely believes in the end of the world to make.
1: Are you suggesting Donald Trump is anti Christ?
0: No, <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> but, you know, if the seas boil and the skies turn red, I may reevaluate that opinion.
1: Okay, so she identifies her as the destroyer. Do you think that was a legitimate, gifted insight? Was it prophecy? Is it something that... You know, does Soshi have the, the scarlet D flashing on her head that only certain people can see? What what thought, What did you think gave uh, her that insight?
0: I think it was the necklace. The necklace was clearly visible in the scene in that conversation. It was the one that Doge also had. Um, and I think if Ramda, based on her previous work, um, was in on this kind of spiritual um, narrative framework, shared narrative framework, of she hates the word mythology, um if she knew there were going to be two, if she knew they were going to be indicated, like uh, identified by that sign, um, you know, the sign of the destroyers, um, that probably reached into a part of herself that she hadn't been able to access since before the Borg assimilated her. And, and that was another interesting point, right? How when they assimilated this group of Romulans, this particular group of Romulans, everything went wrong. The submatrix was disrupted and they were separated from the collective. So the, there's kind of that tie-in back to what we talked about in previous episodes with the Super secret police whose name I can't call to mind. Jacques, Jacques Var?
1: Vat Vash.
0: Vat Vash. The, uh, yeah. So that's kind of a, a mythical, not quite verifiable, um, part of their culture. Maybe these twin destroyers are as well. And now, uh, poor Amda is having horrible flashbacks <laughs> about what is, what she has experienced and fear of the future. So what about
1: Hugh? Have you had...
0: Uh, what, what was your take on it?
1: Uh, actually, um, I felt it was more than gifted insight. I felt it was almost prophecy because of her reaction. And uh, to, to your point, mm-hmm. uh, what do you do when, you, mm-hmm. when the um, Antichrist is here? You leave. Uh, and um, the, um, if the Antichrist is a sense for the Romulans, <laughs> then um, uh, she was clearly able to, uh, because of the trauma she has endured to have that prophecy and make that uh, clear connection. Um, and then Soji of course is activated uh, to her superhuman powers to prevent the suicide. And that seemed to me to be mm-hmm. uh, really a turning point for Narek because now the secret was out. And I think anybody who was watching and there's, I'm sure, some uh, video of that that's going to get out. That's going to identify her and put her at great peril and leaving Narek to have to make a decision uh, going forward, mm-hmm. um, whether he takes his sister along or not.
0: Yeah, and, and then we, we learned a lot more about her as a synth as well, right? Because she had all this privileged information that she wouldn't have had as part of her normal human life. And then she calls her mom, uh, or the mombot, or the program, or Maddox, um, whoever it was that was plainly not actually a bio mother, uh, who put her to sleep. <laughs> that was very interesting.
1: So did you, uh, any leadership lessons that came up for you from either, uh, Picard, Hugh, uh, or even Narek in this?
0: A, a, a little one from, from Hugh. Um, because when they were talking about, um, kind of how easy it has been for Dosh to get access to information uh, and how people are willing to help her because, you know, she's this nice, pretty young human uh, and not a former Borg. And that, it, it I, I felt that a lot when he said, oh, you know, that hasn't been my experience of people being willing to help when I ask. Or um, talking about how, you know, the reclaimed Romulans are either hazards to be warehoused or um, uh, something else negative, a threats to be, Managed, And he's just like, you know, the the all Romulan Romulans, they're much more expansive. They see us as both of those terrible things. And right. it's just like, that's really depressing. And it made me think from a leadership perspective, you know, who does have access? How do you make sure access is equitable? Um, how do you make sure people are experiencing access as equitable? Um, so I think those are, uh, yeah, looking for those differences and the, the biases that come with them, I think, is kind of primo leadership content right there for (laughs) how you're thinking about that and how you're managing it.
1: So that's interesting because from Hugh, I got a different perspective, which was Mm -hmm. that he is doing the absolute slog work. He's doing the day to day, Mm -hmm. literally removing Borg apparatus piece by piece. And uh, it is incredibly uh, detailed. It is um, not bureaucratic, but it is it's not higher level work. Yet the work he and his team are doing are going to build to something that could could create uh, some very interesting and significant data. So uh, for me, it was a shout out for all of those, uh, particularly scientists who slog on the day-to-day uh, detail work. Uh, I, I actually thought uh, I had a positive thought on Eric, which was unusual. Um, <laughs> And now that you've made me think about he and his sister, I'm completely disgusted. Um, He may be seeing, uh, he's obviously seeing a different game than his sister. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is very tactically oriented. She wants her information and he's seeing something else. I don't know if he's seeing beyond using her to get the information, but he's seeing clearly a bigger picture. Um, I'm not quite sure what that bigger picture is as yet, but I think he's got really a different vision. Uh, and then on Picard, uh, I, frankly, uh, I was disappointed in the leadership skills that Picard either showed or didn't show in this episode, particularly around Rafi. And your point is spot on. Yeah, How could he let someone who was obviously very close to him, whether whatever that relationship was, um, wallow in self-pity for 15 years? But in terms of putting the, the crew together it seemed like others did it for him. She suggested the pilot. She showed up. Um, Mm Girardi showed up. Uh, I'm still disappointed the two Romulan house tenders, or house elves, as you now call them, (laughs) uh, aren't going along because they clearly showed to me um, their worth, their intelligence, and their, quite frankly, fighting abilities. Um,
0: And they're fascinating characters. I would have learned so much more about them.
1: yes. Yes, um, and I really, uh, I think it was in the last episode you made a point that you thought episode two was part two of a three-part arc to introduce everything, and now that we've gone through part three, I think you're right, because at the end, we're now all in the spaceship, which is uh, where we wanted to be pretty mm-hmm.
0: quickly. Yes, let's get into space. It's time, we're here for the space. <laughs> and I think that you mentioned the character was, the, the, the pilot It was interesting. I'm excited to learn more about him, too. I hope we get some backstory on Captain Rios.
1: I'm sure we will.
0: I wrote down about a moody hero boy. Mm. (laughs) I'm excited to see whether or not that comes true.
1: It is. It is. So any final thoughts, Megan?
0: Uh, No, I think that just about covers it. I'm interested to see just, this is not plot-related at all, but who else they end up assigning a random Irish accent to. Yeah. Um, And then we can kind of reverse engineer that to see if it meant anything (laughs) (laughs) plot-wise because it came up with the the emergency medical hologram and um lars one of the one of the yeah so that's i'm just kind of casually curious about that
1: my wife uh, (laughs) actually commented on that as well (laughs) well megan uh until episode four i look forward to continuing the discussion
0: me too have a good one